I gotta ask you this morning that that we really can see how good your love is and understand it because a lot of times I think we just narrow in on one piece of it. Um, maybe the original covenant you made or or times of rejection, God, or, or all these things and, and we don't get that full scope of what your intention is and your love and and this morning I pray not only that we'll understand it, but we will own it. Not just at individuals, but at a whole church. And grace will just be uh, freely received and freely given um, here at this church. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, last Sunday in Hosea, if you'd like to turn with me to uh, the book of Hosea, I'm going to read... Uh, eventually, after sharing some of the story with you again, uh, from chapter 2 and chapter 14. The story of Hosea is a love story for both men and women. So if you're a guy, this is for you too. And literally, that, that is what this book is about. And, and I just want to walk you through the, the lessons we've talked about that has brought us to this last step of restoration and how God's intention all along, all through the process, is for His people to be His in beautiful relationship with Him. And, and what this looks like is, is in the story of Hosea and Gomer, a man who deeply loves an unfaithful woman. Okay, a man who deeply loves an unfaithful woman. And that's where this love story starts. It starts with God calling a guy and saying, Hosea, I want you to go covenant with an unfaithful woman. And, and what we looked at the first Sunday was God's call for Hosea was a, a call for a man to really love and really marry a woman. Because oftentimes when we enter this story, and I've talked about this before, we're like, we're like, oh, Jose, he married a prostitute. And that's not the start of it. The start of it is God's calling a man to marry a woman, and this man is deeply in love with this woman. Right? He absolutely loves her. And the way we know he absolutely loves her is because when she is unfaithful, he absolutely hurts. And if you don't love someone, you don't hurt. Right? And so he covenants with her, in a way that God covenanted with Israel and said, I will be yours and you will be mine. But the next step of that is, is that, that in this relationship with Hosea and Gomer, Gomer's unfaithful heart expresses itself in leaving him, right? In leaving Hosea and, and being unfaithful. And the next step in this movement of love is that, that Hosea and God and their relationships reject their spouse, right? And then that's hard. That's hard to grasp. And all throughout the scripture, we see this going on and we go, how is it that God can be love and that God can reject the people that he loves so deeply? And, and that's why when we're reading through Hosea, and some of you might have read it throughout this, this sermon series, is, is we are, are constantly startled by the deep pain in the book. Right? The majority of it you read, and, and I've shared this with you guys, I, I just have just been like, I, I moved through this book uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like if you've ever um, been in a relationship and there's, there's something going on there, but you're not really able to talk about it with one another. 
you don't know if it's unfaithfulness, or you just don't know if the person's not talking or what. And there's just this deep pain there, and that pain causes a separation. That unfaithfulness causes the separation. And so when God rejects Israel, or Hosea rejects Gomer, it's not that he's going, I'm severing this. He's going, I'm acknowledging that the severing is already there. And because of that, this relationship isn't beautiful, it's not lovely, it's not bringing the life that a covenant relationship should bring, right? When there is love shared on one side, and that love is met by the other person loving faithfully. That's good. That's beautiful. We rejoice over that. But when there's unfaithfulness, a separation happens that the rejection is merely acknowledging that separation's there. Right? Are you guys with me? And so the next step, and this is the cool one, is that the re-wooing of the unfaithful wife. And, and I've shared this with you guys in past sermons, that, that this isn't like a story of women are always unfaithful, men are faithful. This is purely the story that's shared here, right? So in, in our relationships, in the relationships in the world, oftentimes the guy's unfaithful too. So you can kind of flip-flop this if you like. If it applies to you the other way, better. Um, but in this case, it's God actively re-pursuing his unfaithful bride, Hosea, actively pursuing, loving, showering love upon an unfaithful wife. And that is just a really, really cool part because the rejection is the part that we oftentimes hear about, we feel so deeply, and we just stick there because we're like, nothing can overcome the separation that I feel so profoundly. Right? I've been rejected, and I'm just going to stay here and say God hates me. But God is pursuing an unfaithful wife. He's pursuing you and going, come back to me. Right? And that's the whole story that we come through in Hosea. Covenant relationship to rejection, to the re-wooing. And that re-wooing is only successful if it, on the part of the unfaithful spouse, there is a genuine repentance. Right? And that repentance means a turning of heart, a changing of heart. Saying, I have done wrong, but forgive me. And that forgiveness is readily available because the one who can forgive is the one who's already pursuing with love. Amen? That's good. That's good. We can just see, like, and oftentimes we're like, we'll just stop there, but there's more. And that's this week, which is the restoration that is offered once that repentance is asked for and someone can be fully restored. So if you're in Hosea already, turn with me to chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 16 through 23. And then we're just going to turn immediately and read the end of chapter 14. In chapter 2 it says, In that day, declares the Lord, I will, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of Baals from your lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. And that day 
I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies. I will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one that I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Then in chapter 14... Starting in verse 4, it's written, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade, and he will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine. His fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The way of the Lord is right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So, last minute, and you guys just, you guys got to pick this up as we're reading it in this poetry, right? All of a sudden, it's just like flourishing, right? All of a sudden, it's like this amazing, like we've talked over rejection and the pain that causes, and there's, and even when we just mention it, like there's this sense of like death that looms. I don't know if you feel that. Maybe I'm just like, I, I really love words. I don't know if you guys are with me on that. Um, some of you love numbers. That's why I wasn't an engineer. Because I really love words. And, and when, I, when I, I hear a word, oftentimes I just, I attach it to what does that mean when that is shared in reality? And, and when I hear something like rejection, honestly, I'm like, <laughs> I just don't even know how to respond because you're just like, I just want that to be healed. I don't know what's going on. But, but something's broken and needs to be healed. And the cool thing is, as you move through this re-wooing of God, and God's the active player going, I am loving you. Oftentimes we think restoration being in our hearts and minds before it's in God's heart and mind. Like God's just hating. And we're like, but I really want back. Right? That's not the way it works. The way it works is that God's going like, I want you back. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ready. And so God's like re-wooing, and this is the story of Scripture, because God so loved the world, He gave, and He gave, and He gave, and He gave, right? Not, con- not to condemn the world, but that through Him, the world might be saved. Like, this is the story of the Bible. And so He's re-wooing, and then repentance comes when we go, I have been such an idiot. I have been just like wallowing in my rejection and God's wanting to restore me. And so I'm going to repent. I'm going to put all that behind me and I want to be restored. And so when I hear the word restoration, it's like this. It's just like blossoming, right? And so we're going to talk about what restoration looks like in this. And I think it's really wrapped up in that first verse in chapter 2 where it says... um, It says, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. <laughs> and you just, you sense it, right? As I've read this story, I've like sat there and like tried to picture each phase, 
right? Their covenant, and they, they got married. And then the rejection and the pain of that, right? And all the way, and here, I'm just imagining them, just like, like, both not just renewing that commitment, but just like walking into old age together, right? And what does that restoration look like? This is what it looks like. The first, if we look um, in these verses in chapter 2, I'm going to take you through the four marks of restoration, I'm going to call them. And, and each of these words, I, I didn't just make them up, There's, they're, they're all F's, right? Foundation, faithful, flourish, forever. But they're actually all in there. I'm not just being creative. <laughs> so, so the first one is um, that God is restoring a covenant. He's, he's again building that foundation here for us. That, that what has been established, God is again building on that. Right? He's not looking for a new bride. Right? He's looking to restore the one that he has had that has been unfaithful. And the amazing thing in this is what you find is he says, I'm doing this before all creation. He's like, I'm doing this in front of the beasts, in front of the birds of the air, all creation that moves along the ground. He's like, I'm just proclaiming this to everyone, that there is no longer separation. And that's the restoration that we find throughout Scripture. And finally, when we get to Revelation, and we bring that restoration when we get to heaven, he's like, everything is going to again be in harmony together. And that's the restoration that God ultimately seeks, is that a house that's been divided will be a house that's united and that what our hearts have longed for in relationships that aren't broken, God is again restoring that. And that is so, so beautiful. The word he uses here, I think it's four times, is the word betrothed. And literally all that means is that I'm marrying you again. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm betrothing yourself to me. I'm marrying you again and he uses the word forever. He just says, this isn't something that's temporary. This is something that I'm in this for the long haul. And we're going to talk about forever in a little bit. But first, I want to show you that what he means by this betrothal is not, well, this is just a trial run. I'm just going to see if you're going to be faithful for a little while. Right? And oftentimes when we get back into a relationship, we're really nervous about it. So we're like, we'll see if this works. God isn't seeing if this works. Right? He didn't send his son to see if it worked. Right? We're going to send Jesus. Um, last hope. <laughs> this one doesn't work. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> God's intention to restore is like, I'm all in and this is working. Are you going to repent? And come back and be restored. Because the words he uses is this. And this is super cool. Listen, he goes, In righteousness, in justice, in love, in compassion, and in faithfulness. And, and these are things that when there is unfaithfulness, these are all things that are broken. And so when he says, I'm going to betroth you to me in this way, I'm going to remarry you, all these things are being restored. When, so when he says in righteousness, he means so many of you just feel like you can't get it right, ever. Right? You feel like one week you're like, Jesus, and I'm just reading my Bible, and like you told ten people, you're reading your Bible. I'm just praying. I'm praying like an hour a day. And then the next week, you're like, what happened? And I have to tell all those ten people, I'm not. Right? People are like, amen. Because right? that's what we do. And we're like, I'm, I'm, God, I, that is my heart. Like, righteousness is what I want to be my pattern, but righteousness isn't my pattern. God's, I'm betrothing you to myself in righteousness. 
I'm the one restoring righteousness to you. Injustice. Some of you guys, me included, we just have rebellious hearts. So where justice is upheld, we don't always uphold justice. And God's going, what I'm bringing to this relationship and when I'm renewing this covenant, I'm renewing justice here. So when, when I look at you, I'm seeing you as just. I'm looking at you as righteous. I'm looking at you as one who not only loves, but can be restored to actually loving fully in return. In compassion. So a lot of us, myself included, we just aren't compassionate people. Right? We see what God is calling us to participate in with Him, which is this relationship not only of being loved, but going out and loving our neighbor and loving other people. And we go, that just isn't in me. And what God is saying is when He goes, when I remarry you in this relationship, we're just going to do compassion together. Right? It's going to be a family trait. Right? And, and this is amazing because I don't think these are things that we can participate in apart from God's active restoration of ourselves. And the last is just faithfulness. In faithfulness. And we have seen Hosea or Gomer's profound unfaithfulness. And God saying, I'm going to betroth you to myself in faithfulness is him saying, I know you can't keep commitments. But you've repented, and I'm going to keep this commitment to you. And his willingness to do that. So, what do I, I mean by this foundation is simply this. That a lot of you, maybe who have been married, um, you can probably remember back to when you got married. And you, you probably didn't get married going like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> right? You probably got married going like, we have a foundation. <laughs> we are going to build on. <laughs> and, and you probably went through pre-marriage counseling, and it all made sense. And it probably, if you went through it again, it wouldn't. Right? <laughs> and what, what this means, what this foundation means, is the foundation's still there. You just need to be restored onto it. Right? Your house is just maybe slipped off its foundation. And the restoration means this, is that sometimes we go and we think, I can't even participate in this beautiful thing that's being offered. But God, God is saying the foundation's still there, and I want, I want to restore this relationship back onto that foundation. And you who think you can never participate in a healthy relationship again, you can. Or you guys who have been in broken relationships and think, I'm, I can never be in a healthy relationship, you can. Because God's plan doesn't just go from rejection to repentance and then you stay in this like repentant state of like, I know I suck, I know I suck, I know I suck, I know, right? God's restoration plan is that you can fully be healed and participate again in a real loving relationship. Amen? That's good. And that's good news. Is his plan isn't just getting you to the point of feeling bad about yourself, but it's getting you to the point of being able to participate in love again. And that is the gospel. Right? And that's the gospel preached throughout the whole Bible. And you see it here in Hosea. The restoration is meant to be something that is complete. The second is faithfulness. And I just want to dig into this one a little more because this is, this is really good. In, in uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, I will remove the names of Baals from your lips. I will remove the name of idols from your lips. And so then faithfulness was caused, why? 
The unfaithfulness was caused because their heart loved something more than God. Unfaithfulness doesn't come in your heart because you're just, um, you know, distracted. Right? Unfaithfulness comes because slowly our hearts have begun desiring something more than what we should be desiring. And so what God is going, he's like, when you come back, I can, I can remove those, those old desires from you. He goes, let me participate in your life in that way. I'm going to remove them. And he says, I, I will betroth you to myself in faithfulness and love you freely. And this is, this is kind of just restating the point we've done, but, but God is not holding back his heart. You hear that? He says, I'm going to betroth you to me in faithfulness and I'm going to love you freely. Right? So even when we come back and we're kind of testing the waters of God's love, right? And we're like, could he really restore me? Could he really love me freely? We're like, I don't know about this. And God's like, come on in! <laughs> He's like, I'm just, yeah, the water's good! <laughs> and yet we have so much intrepidation in our own hearts, and God's like, I'm going to betray you to me in faithfulness, like, I'm going to be faithful. <laughs> and, and I'm going to love you freely. There's not going to be, like, a hold back in that on my part. So he goes, when you come in, just come in. Don't hold on to that old guilt. Because I want to love you faithfully and freely. In, in chapter 14, he talks uh, about it by saying, I will heal their waywardness. And again he says, and I will love them freely. So faithfulness simply is wrapped up in this idea that God is saying, I'm here to stay. And I'm here to help you through your waywardness so you can stay, right? And, and some people, and I know uh, the story of a lot of us is probably this. It's probably not... Um, I had a couple years of rebellion and then I came back to God and I'm just in, right? For a lot of you, probably your story is this, right? Well, I grew up in a Christian home or maybe I just grew up wherever, and then and I, I heard about Jesus, and, and for the first time maybe I heard about a love that, that like I felt was maybe genuine, and I wanted that real bad, and I, I kind of tried it, and then, and then I went back, right, and I realized that wasn't good, so I came back to God for a little while, and then I, I went, and then I, right, and then I, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of our story, Right? <laughs> But God is saying, I want to heal your waywardness, and I want to love you freely, and I want you to fully participate in that. And, and some of you, the, the cool thing is, is um, I think this church is just made up of people who are like, are finally maybe going, like, I want, to, I want God to shape me into a faithful person. Right? I, I realize I just can't do it anymore, and, and I want to be shaped in that. And God is there to meet you. And God is staying in this relationship with you. He's covenant. He's moving your house back on the foundation that he's built for you. The third point is this. Flourishing is, and, and restoration is they're just wrapped up in one another. And, and rather than reading through the portion we read in, in chapter 14 again, I'm just going to run you through the words that he uses. Um, he says, I will flourish you like grain. And that might not mean a lot to you, 
But for a guy who went to school at WSU, that means a lot, right? For those, I'm, just, I'm not going to bring that up, don't worry. You went to UW, we love everyone here. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, just, I know there's like a couple of you, so I just, there's flourishing for us all available. But if you did go to school in Pullman, right, the amber ways of grain are just lush, right? It's the breadbasket of America. And so he says, I will flourish you like grain. It's literally like, like the Palouse could provide enough bread to feed our whole nation. They actually have to pay people not to plant on some acres of land because it would just flood the market. Isn't that crazy? And so he, this is where he's going. He's going, I'm going to flourish you like grain. <laughs> You're going to be prosperous. The words he uses, he goes, I will, you will blossom. You will send your roots down deep. He goes, your, your young saplings will grow. Your splendor will grow. He says, you'll be fragrant. I don't know what that means. But you'll be fragrant. Right? You will, people will dwell in your shade. You'll be famous for your fruit. And that's what God means when he's restoring you. Right? When, so God's intention of restoring you isn't like, you're going to be the wife I take back in and then kind of hide because I'm ashamed of you. He goes, he goes, you're going to be the spouse that I am proud of and championing before the world. And that is amazing. So, and this, I just kind of wrote down some ideas I thought that came along. So, he goes, I will, you will blossom. He goes, so, basically, maybe your life has felt barren. He goes, you guys are going to be producing things that you never thought you could produce. He goes, you will send down roots deep, Right? So maybe where your, your love was always shallow, because it's going to be healthy and stable. Right? That's what restoration means. He said your, your saplings will grow. So literally, there won't just be the love you've experienced, but there's going to be new love that's going to be growing in your life that you even never think was, could be there or would be there. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to make you famous for your fruit. And for you guys... What that means is God's given you these gifts that have just been dormant or you just don't know what to do with them. And God can use those things. And I think, I think each one of you has fruit that's going to be famous. And I'm not, I'm not saying like you'll sell platinum records, but it could just be famous here. Like, like Richard makes the best gluten-free bread I've ever tasted. And he should be famous for that, at least in this congregation. Right? He is blessed with that gift. And God's restoring him to use that. Right? For all of us, there's like these things that you can do. And God's just wanting to restore you to actually be able to be the church. Be his bride again in a way that you guys just share with one another. And you don't have to hide from one another. But he's restoring you completely to do that. The last mark of restoration is this. It is forever. But God's restoration isn't temporary. But God's view is always something that's far beyond that. And, and forever is a long time. And some of you might think, don't sell me on this happily forever after. <laughs> but that's God's whole idea, right? <laughs> God's whole idea isn't like, yeah, we're just, you know, trial run, right? But God really is in this forever. And he, he wants you to be in a relationship with him that doesn't have an ending. 
And so, what I encourage for you guys is not just to, to camp out where you might be in this process of real love, right? This is what we've called the series, Real Love. I don't want you just to camp out in maybe where you're at, right? Um, at the end of Hosea, it says this, who is wise, he will realize these things. And this is what I want to conclude with. I think, I think the book of Hosea is so helpful to us because it makes a whole lot of sense, Right? And honestly, not a lot of love stories make sense to me, <laughs> right? But, but Hosea is so helpful because it makes sense. And he says, and who is wise will understand this. Who can actually think this is going to make sense to them, right? The Bible is opening up a way for us to understand how relationships can be restored completely. And this is good. It's not that you just make a commitment at one point and you're just good. He's going probably you're going to be making a commitment where you are unfaithful and you're going to experience rejection because of that. But from that rejection, God is going, my love is still there pursuing you. And you have every opportunity to repent. But without repentance, that rejection is just going to loom over your life all along. Because you're going to feel what is there, which is a separation between you and God. And it could be you have relationships where it isn't just between you and God. It could just be you have a marriage where there is something separating you. And unless you move past that and someone starts showing grace in that, a grace that is overcoming that and going, I do want you back. Right? And then, and then within that, repentance occurs because healing cannot come without repentance. We do this all the time at our Oasis centers, right? We, and, and I share this oftentimes when I'm out speaking about the programs we do with youth here is, is people are like, what do you do? I'm like, well, this is, this is one of the things we found most effective. When a kid does something like bullies another kid or, or something like that, we kick him out. And you know what we tell him? You can come back if you apologize. This is Hosea, right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we love you, and so we've made a place for you. And you come in, and you, you sign on our guidelines that you're going to obey these things. You didn't obey them. You know what? We reject you. <laughs> but we love you. <laughs> but there's something that happens that, that that relationship just isn't working. And so you know what they do? They come in, and they make a, a, a time with Jake. And Jake sits down with them, and they say, I apologize for what I've done. I was wrong. And you know what we do? Welcome back! <laughs> right? We want to restore you. We're not going to look at you like the, you're the bad kid because you've apologized and we forgive you. And so that's behind us. And that's what God's doing. And, and God is so much better at it than we are. And so guys, I just want you to hold on to this. And, and some of you really do not think that God can restore you and you have to live with shame, and he does not want that, right? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Blanket statement, right? And so to come back, to be restored, so you can flourish. You can flourish in the relationships you're in, you can flourish in a relationship with the church, and you can be restored. And this is the gospel. Let's pray. God, I pray that we can just 
dwell in this. God, we can worship from this. God, you have so much in store for us that we can access if we just come to you humbly and say, God, I do want to be in this relationship. Please restore me. God, for those, those here who maybe are at that place of restoration, I pray that you'll just increase their joy. God, and some of us might be at all different places in this, this path towards restoration. But God, I just pray for this church, that we can be a church that truly understands your grace and your calling love that is going to heal us from everything we have participated in or done when we come to you and just say, God, forgive me, love me. I pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen.